Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, where today we're speaking to the fresh prince of AI, Frank Schneider, <laughs> CEO of Speakeasy AI, and uh, in true Philly style, the intro to this podcast is going to go something a little bit like this. In Greater Philadelphia, born and raised, sales and marketing is how he spent most of his days. Chilling out maxing, relaxing all cool, when coaching some b-ball inside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good said you need AI in your neighbourhood. He made one prototype and his mum got scared. She said you need to launch this and put it out there. He whistled for some cash and when it came near, he built some tech that when you speak it listens, it can hear. <laughs> if anything, I could say this tech is rare, so we thought why don't we chat and broadcast it on air. He dialed into the call about seven or eight and will yell in an hour, you're home, smell you later. His name's Frank Schneider. He's finally there, sitting on his throne as a speakeasy chair. Frank, welcome to the podcast, and I bet you've never had an intro like that before. That was absolutely incredible. I don't even know where we go from here. Unexpected and brilliant. Great work. Uh, I don't know if I can live up to 10% of that, but that was a great, great intro. Thank you. Appreciate you inviting me and happy to be here. Wicked. And we have Dustin. Dustin, I'm apologies. Really do apologize. I don't quite have much of a rap for yourself, unfortunately, but welcome nonetheless oh it's quite okay the, the pleasure was just hearing that intro for frank <laughs> what i'm gonna try and do although i was i was, I was uh, you know i wasn't quite rehearsed that so i'm gonna try and put the uh, fresh prince theme tune behind that and see how that pans out <laughs> uh, <be> so funny. <laughs> so, Excellent. so yes yes philadelphia nice the fresh prince yeah. of ai what's it like over there then <laughs> uh, in Philly or in the AI world? I know yeah, in, in well, Philly, both. Philly, about Philly, yeah, yeah. In Philly, it's it's a great place to live and raise your kids. Um, I had a brief hiatus in Washington D.C. with brief time spent in New York, but um, overall, it's been where I've spent most of my life. Actually, and save a little bit of time in Guatemala and Mexico, which was fun. Um, but yeah, we're the city of champions lately. You know, we're big on sports here, and we have a we've had a parade almost every other month this year with uh, Eagles Super Bowl and my alma mater Villanova winning basketball championship for college basketball. So, nice. yeah, all fun stuff. And then as far as Philly and AI, I don't know if there's a connection right now. It's a hot place for startups. Um, you know, it's one of those East Coast cities where there, there's a good brain trust around and and an appetite to invest in things like that. But mm. primarily, our team. Other than myself, there's a core four of us, if you will. And the person who we we, kind of, we should probably work him into the remix of the song who actually built the product, <laughs> Moshe, uh, our CTO. He, he lives in Old Greenwich, Connecticut, um, in the same place that our angel investor and my former CEO of my previous company live. Uh, but he's a Brit. He's All originally right. from, from England. Um, and then our fourth team member, our chief customer officer, Kyle, who we actually stole from a previous buyer. Uh, we stole nice. him from the dark side of Time Warner Cable. And he kind of gives us the – I always joke that he's our cheat code. He helps us hack what buyers actually care about. Oh, um, right. The AI world, I feel like, is full of bullshit, if I'm allowed to say bullshit on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oftentimes when you sit on the, the side of the vendor or the sort of consultant and you're talking to the buyer, you kind of want to tease out the elephant in the room. Okay, mm. Here's the thing that we need to actually be real about mm. and not promise you a, a walking bot that's going to walk in here and service all your customers. Mm. Um, and Kyle helps us stay pragmatic and helps right. us sort of keep it real. So, so yeah, so the team is me, uh, Richard, our angel investor and, and sort of advisor, Moshe, our technical genius and wizard who's building the product, mm. and then Kyle, who's sort of our chief officer of keeping it real. Yeah. Cool. So what about yourself then? We'll, we'll come back, we'll circle back around and, and cover Speakeasy mm -hmm. AI in a second. But what about yourself? You, you've kind of, what, what's your sort of background and, and all that sort of stuff and, and what led you to sort of Speakeasy? Yeah, my background has always been trying to solve difficult problems mm -hmm. since I got out of school. Um, so that started in education for me. And, and I would argue that in a lot of ways, I'm still in education. It's just a different type of education. Mm. But so I was a teacher for my first career 
you know, and I, I definitely want to be one of those people who have three or four careers in my life, I think. So I, I can't see it any other way. So I was a teacher. I, I taught in some challenging environments and, and with some challenging groups of people who I loved very dearly, uh, most recently at a high school for kids who had been uh, locked up and committed felonies and sort of a second chance school mm-hmm. um, and trying to sort of convince them or get them to see sort of uh, an alignment with me on a path of how they can turn things around was was definitely a challenge and mm-hmm. prepared me well for sitting in some some of the meetings I sit in now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> not um, you know, I I transitioned to, you know, I, I, I've always been a tech geek at heart. I've always been a fan of technology and gaming and AI like things when I was young. Mm-hmm. Shoot, I'm dating myself. I can remember being so excited to get the IntelliVoice. Did you ever hear the game system called Intellivision? It was like a, so. it was like Atari's cousin. Um, and if you Google IntelliVoice, it was like, we're the first video game system that's going to have a real human voice attached to it. Okay. And they had this, they had this game called B-17 Bomber. Mattel Electronics presents B-17 Bomber. Where you were like a World War II fighter pilot or bomber. Mm-hmm. And they would yell to you when you needed to drop the bombs. So you got to hear a voice and think about what digital sound used to sound like coming out of an Atari. <laughs> Nothing sounded anything like a voice. So this thing, which also, if you ever found a YouTube clip of it, still doesn't sound quite like a voice. And it maybe said four words. But you were like, you know, as, as a, I'm probably nine years old at the time, my mind was blown. You know, so so I've always been into sort of techie type AI things. And mm. when I made the transition about 13 years ago to sort of the SaaS world of consulting with businesses on how they can make things, you know, easier, faster and better for their own clients, um, it felt more natural than you might think, you know, difficult problems. Uh, trying to find alignment and for me getting to play with things that I find fun, um, which, you know, I, I'm not a coder or, or a technologist by background. So being able to play with these things when you can't build them, it, it's kind of a nice, it's kind of a nice mix, a nice place to be in. Um, so that's how I wound up in this world, you know, long story short. Um, and I was very fortunate to run into Richard um, in about 2012, I was the first sales executive at Creative Virtual USA, which was a chatbot company. And we were able to work on some of the more exciting, groundbreaking digital chatbots uh, of that time, you know, which sounds like ages ago, but in the chatbot world, six years ago, you know, it was a lot different. Uh, and we, we did Ask IHG for the large hotel brand, uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group. We did Ask Time Warner Cable, Ask Verizon. We did something for J.P. Morgan Chase that, that they called natural language search, which was a way to have more conversational UI for looking for information. Um, we did some really cool things. So, yeah, so that's career-wise how I got here, how I got into this space. Cool. And uh, we, we, yeah. So what about Speakeasy then? To give us a, you kind of touched briefly on, on what it is. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of, of what Speakeasy is, uh, what it does, uh, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. So, um, you know, the core of our technology, we call speech to intent and everything that we're doing, we're building to enhance that core algorithm or layer of code that for us is a better way to take in voice and turn it into an intent to understand what a customer is saying and then to leverage as many AI systems, including our own, as sort of a layered approach to have a voice conversation. So, you know, how we got here you know, besides the product itself is about a year ago, we had an exit from our chatbot company when our UK parent company, sort of the mothership, and we had talked about that a little bit before the podcast, uh, purchased us. And during the time that we were working in the US, the UK owned all our chatbot IP. And we sort of were the exclusive distributor in the US and had done some great work building on top of it, especially from an analytics suite perspective. But while we were working, uh, you know, our founder here at Speakeasy, our, our angel investor and our CTO, uh, and I was privy to these conversations being on the executive team, we had often been sort of tasked with how do you get these chatbots to work in voice? And whether it's Alexa 
or it's a mobile app, which Dustin, we were talking before the call about hitting the microphone button um, and seeing the words transcribed. We were always reliant on some other piece of technology to be the conduit of sort of getting us to voice. And there was always these same buckets. It was always speech to text, text to intent, intent to our engine, answer, and then backwards flow back the other way in some voice synthesizer. And there's just a lot of breakpoints, a lot of different hops in that path, um, a lot of different opportunities to stub your toe. And um, we felt some of that. But our it was our angel investor and our CTO who were on a train to New York. This is sort of the genesis of our company story um, in some ways. In, I want to say around Christmas time, 2015, so long before we had thought about exiting, and our our managing partner, who has now, you know, he's probably fa- you know founded or been a partner in a couple of these businesses now, and sold at least two that I know of, um, and just has a has a mind for thinking about, but why isn't this happening yet? And he kind of went back almost to where you know I was in my own career. At one point, I was selling SaaS IVR solutions, and he said. So the chatbots work great. We're getting all these results and all these wonderful outcomes and deflections and the things that businesses care about. But we're having good conversations. When we used to stack rank a chatbot transcript against a live chat agent, performed pretty well in comparison. And he sort of said, you know, so we've talked about voice, but why can't all of this work in IVR? <laughs> you know, and it's funny, Kyle, who's our chief customer officer, once said to me in a meeting, don't ever bring up IVR again. <laughs> <laughs> IVR is dead. If anyone comes into my office and speaks about IVR, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> uh, and so I had that in my mind, but I give Richard so much credit because he said, no, this is, you know, it's like back to the future. This is where we need to be. There is an opportunity here to refresh. And I mean, and you think about markets. What's better than going into a market where there's tons of investment and opportunity and such an extremely low bar in some ways <laughs> because <laughs> IPRs have just tortured customers and been the bane of their existence? Um, and he said, you know, I, I think we can build something here. And so he probably said it more eloquently than I am with a more charming British accent. But he said that to Moshe on the train. And Moshe, our, you know, we're, we're a nice, diverse team, our, our brilliant Peruvian developer. Moshe sat on the train and thought about it and you know, knowing him, he probably said, okay, I'll build it this weekend. Um, and, and he went away and he started building it. And when we sold and exited last year, Richard flew over from his boat in the Mediterranean to meet with me and came to my house and said, I think we can make that thing a company. I still think, you know, bringing AI to the IVR, you know, we had an analyst at Forrester tell us, um, I like what you guys are doing because IVRs are interactive, but they're not intelligent. I said, oh, I need to steal that for marketing. <laughs> um, but but that, that's essentially what Richard wanted to do. Um, and so we spent the fall validating, is there a market space for this? Now, ultimately, IVR is still not super sexy. Um, and our future, I think, is going to be us working in Alexa, us working in smart speakers, us working on the agent side. Gosh, we have so many buyers or prospects tell us, well, can you listen to the human and customer live interaction and provide some guidance along that flow? And uh, even my former VP of professional services and I were out in Denver at KPMG a couple of years ago, and they talked about a similar thing. Um, but right now, the area of opportunity is so overwhelming in IVR. And our offering, um, which I know we'll probably talk about later, the free listening pilot, as you're the first toe in the water, is – and there's my Philly accent, water. That's, <laughs> that's agua. Um, you know, it's – it's been so big because in this world of AI bullshit, you know, there's there's some platforms that talk about you know curing cancer or writing songs better than Bob Dylan, or doing hostage negotiation and all these things that AI should not be doing um, curing diseases, which maybe can help a doctor, but it's not going to cure the disease. Um, but all that marketing creates this noise, and then these enterprises engage in a lengthy pilot, if you will, or a proof of concept that at the end of it, they're not even sure why they did it or what came out of it. And there's no transparency into things like algorithms or scripts or it's, hey, did it work? It seemed to work. How do we get it better? Well, these are the seven mistakes it made, and this is how it'll be better next time. And it's just this, this weird process that we lived through and sold against in the digital chatbot world and tried to solve for. But in voice, we think everything we've built and everything we're approaching, and next week we actually have a, a product launch where 
doing an enhancement to this customer journey flow. I won't tell you the name yet because we haven't agreed on the name. We're, we're, we th- I think we have the winner and we're going to release it next week and do some PR. But this, everything that we do is about transparency, real-time analytics, agility, you know, being able to react to things quickly, and then how much can you bring into the mix? So if you're in a voice channel, if you're in IVR, can you bring what you already invested in Watson? You know, you also kind of liked your Genesis IVR that has some natural language capabilities, and there's a couple of flows that work pretty good. People can pay bills in IVRs right now. There's tons of transactional shit that people already do in IVRs. So I have that. I don't want to reinvent the wheel there. I have this Watson chatbot that actually did a little bit for me. Or I have a creative virtual chatbot who's a partner of ours that did a little bit for me. I want to bring that to the mix. Then I have this content management system that seems kind of AI-based. You know, the interesting thing about AI is, you know, in 10, 15 years, is it going to be electricity? Is it going to be how much electrical power do you use in your business? How much AI do you use in your business? Um, but when electricity first came out, was it muddled by marketing that talked about capturing lightning in a bottle? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't around for that. But, but it, it's not a matter of, are you going to have AI? It's going to be how, where, and when, and how much of it. Well, here I want to use this much. Um, but it, you know, it's already across businesses. So you know, we're not trying to make a friendly Terminator. We're trying to make a process easier. And we're trying to let people re-leverage those assets. So for this product launch we have next week, this customer journey tool, hey, when the customer comes in and hits your your phone call, which is still the moment of truth, you know, call volume is still where people are headed. Um, so when they call in and they say, I really want to do X, and you capture that information, where do they go after that? What are all the different places they go to? And where have they been? And how much of that can we bring into the mix? So we want to be this centralized, agile layer of understanding that starts with voice, because Everything we do is trying to emulate a human conversation, and most of them still happen in voice like we're having right now. So with that as the crux, how can we weave in as many AI investments, as many self-service investments, as many content management investments into this picture so you have a full understanding? Mm. So, and we're not trying – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, sorry go I spoke a lot there. No, no. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. I understood this right then. So Speakeasy mm-hmm. AI will essentially be the piece – that sits in between everything that yep. essentially listens to try and give you analysis as to what's going wrong. Is that, is that a, a, a way? Precisely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, what customers really want, what they really mean with their own voice. And then when you saw what's going wrong or what's going right, what happens based on that intent? So now we can tell you here are the top intents Thursday. What happened with those 10 intents? Are you actually servicing those 10 intents right now? Are you helping those intents properly? And maybe you find seven out of 10 of them didn't do too bad. But suddenly you have even insight into that that you didn't have before. Um, and for us, it all starts with that voice. And that, that's what our listening pilot is. So a good segue for So what we say is plug us into your IVR for a month and just sit back. We're not going to learn that on the backs of your customers. We're not going to interrupt that conversation they're having with your brand or with that automated system you have now or just before they get to an agent. Almost everybody says now, if you have a natural language IVR, in your own words, tell us why you're calling us so we can route you to the right agent. And then the customer says, I'm calling because I spoke to an airline today. It was torturous. you know, And, and I was just calling to use a voucher, which they don't want you to use apparently, um, to rebook a flight. So that utterance, how many of those utterances do you have in a day? Um, and how many different ways can people say them? And you know, from a, from a granularity of our technology standpoint, because we're always listening to full paragraphs or full sentences um, and trying to match against other AI systems as well as our own to distill for intent and not transcribing, what we're able to do is not have to worry about things like accents or background noise. You know, I, I work from home. My three-year-old budges in, barges in, and a transcription system might have a hard time with that. Or just talking to telephony, you know, speakerphones, and just bad sound quality or latency or jitter. Um, because we're looking at full paragraphs or full sentences and not looking to transcribe them and push them somewhere to get intelligence, we're bringing intelligence to the voice utterance, you know, earlier in the process. So that full picture, you know, as you mentioned, what's going wrong, what's going right, what do people actually want? We want to get that. We want to capture that. We want to give that to you right away. We want to make it easy for you to make decisions based on that. And that listening pilot says, we're not going to self-serve. We're not going to change anything you're doing now. We're going to give you the UI. We're going to give you the admin console. 
We're going to give you the engine plugged in, and we're going to show you in real time for that 30 days everything that's happening. And it's a nice no-risk proposition for folks that they get to the end of that and they say, wow, I saw your engine working as it worked. My customers didn't even know it was messing. You know, It was there. It didn't change any of the customer experience they were having now. And now we've actually crafted a roadmap Oh, and trained the engine because, you know, like any good AI system, we do have a neural net element with some human, you know, supervisory mechanisms. Um, we're ready to rock and roll. So when we do decide, let's see what kind of voice conversations with AI you can have in the future. We're, we're getting wins from day one. We don't want AI deployed that isn't delivering wins. And, and Frank, you touched on this a bit, but I want to go back to it because it was really the, the key part of what speaking easy is doing the mm -hmm. speech to intent can you talk more about you know how that works and you talked about how accents don't matter uh speaker phones don't matter how does that work uh you know yeah. on a lower level yeah so and because i'm not the person who built it it'll definitely be on a lower level so it'll be mm -hmm. my understanding so, <laughs> but so 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 what we're doing is you know we noticed that in the world of transcription it's not that transcription isn't a worthy endeavor. Speech to text is an amazing technology right now. Right now, there was that report that where Microsoft achieved human parity and accuracy or something with their speech to text. What was it like 95%? But that's what it is. It is accuracy for a transcription of a word. It is not denoting any intelligence. And inherently, when we have voice conversations, our body language across this video camera, um, context, memory, who we are, why we've sat down here to have this conversation influences everything we're hearing. And it's hard, you know, I don't know if AI is ever going to be able to capture all of that nuance of human conversation. But what we're trying to solve for is how much intelligence can we get there on the voice utterance right away? Because we know that transcribing it and pushing it has already been a break point. You know, so if, if I say into a phone, I am experiencing terrible fraud, man. And it transcribes that as, you're a terrible frog man. Well, <laughs> we've already kind of ended the conversation. But when I'm calling Chase, I'm not telling them anything about frogmen. Just contextually, it just makes no sense. Um, and maybe I was already on their web page and I filled a lost call, card form. So what that means from a technology standpoint is we have this recognition process that's on from the beginning, real-time streaming of the audio and saying, okay, as we take in this audio file, we're going to funnel it through a pipeline of different microservices. So one of those pipes is going to go to an AI corpus that we own, that is the AI that's our engine that is awesome at intent. And what can we learn from that? And then we're also going to map it to maybe you integrated it to the chatbot from Creative Virtual, our previous company that you already purchased. And how much does that influence what we're understanding? Because in that digital chatbot, you might have... 500 conversational flows that you're having in digital typing back and forth that we can leverage as part of this. Then do we have additional sort of AI platforms or investments or systems? What else can we layer into the process? And then even one of the pipes is a speech-to-text layer where we just use Google. It's a great speech-to-text. And we say, if uh, all wrapping all of this is a confidence algorithm, and we say each of these pipes is weighted based on what's being returned. So when I say I'm experiencing terrible fraud, man. Maybe I am undergoing fraud is the top hit, and the confidence algorithm is 1.2 or something like that. And maybe Frogman came out on speech to text. We're confident that from a transcription perspective, it's 0.7, but it doesn't match any of the intents we have. So all of this rinsing is happening in real time as this information is coming in. So the more integrations we have, the more things we can use for that, the better. Um, but our engine is great at understanding that intent. And then that's going to dictate where do we go now. And the more volume we pipe, we pump through this thing, the more times people come in and have these conversations and the more voice utterances the speech to intent engine captures, um, the better it performs. Because that confidence algorithm and the more things it's mapping to gets better to understand, okay, when customers are talking in this manner, this is the intent that we should map it to. Um, and, and I think what's been different for us is whether it's you know Amazon, who I think is amazing, um, what, what, what they have coming more than what they have right now is going to be amazing. Um, but we're not saying, and take it all from us. 
you know what? We don't want to work with your other chatbot. We don't want to work with your IVR right now. We're going to be an end-to-end suite. We're not trying to do that. We've seen all of the pain that really exists in enterprises. And this thin layer of value, which you know the Ubers of the world would say, being a thin layer of value is a nice place to start. We're just a thin layer of value that we think is going to change how this end-to-end system works. Um, th- does that help sort of explain, at least in my, my standpoint, how the tech works? Yeah, I think I think it's great. And you talked about context. What context are you pulling in to understand the the callers? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways we can do that. So if we have context, you know, the easiest part is if we're integrated to a chatbot system, you know, which a lot of our first few deployments here that, you know, we think we're gonna be able to go live with this summer, they're gonna be integrated to digital chatbots. So inherently there's some product or business centric elements that contextually help the understanding, right? That's easy though. Um, what we also want to be able to do is any CRM or customer personification, uh, personalization, not personification, <laughs> personalization elements that exist either in that chatbot or exists in a data warehouse that we can pull in, we want to leverage. Um, we also have a voice biometrics element. And again, we're this thin layer of value. So we're using ArmorVox or Araya Systems as our partner for voice bio. And voice bio is one of the pipelines in the microservices. So if you come in and we have a voice print on you, we already know who you are, that's going to change the confidence weighting algorithm for the whole picture. So that we say, oh, this is Kane. We know based on his voice. We know based on the way he raps. This is him. <laughs> we want to get him more quickly to today's, you know, top 10 podcast on hip hop in the Philly area, you know, <laughs> headlining with the roots. But so for us, you know, context and memory is who are you? where you've been, and how does that impact the confidence algorithm. Um, so natively, you know, that, that integration we have with our third-party bio, biometric system partner, you know, it's seamless. It's, it's just part of the kit um, once you're willing to do that voice print. But in lieu of that, anything we can grab from a CRM, anything we can grab from our customer journey flow tool that says this is who this type of person was. Maybe it's a profile. This is a customer from the Hawaii market. And in Hawaii, these are the kind of cable packages they have. And because of that, this is what we know from a business perspective. So it, anything we can do to make it have per, you know, personalization, everyone talks about it in AI and also in sort of customer care. It's only cool when it actually makes things easier for the customer. You know, if it's just personalization for personalization's sake, um, that's not as exciting. Uh, you know, and some people I'm sure would smack me and say also for security and risk purposes or fraud purposes. Um, so the, so correct me if I'm wrong now, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm kind of understanding this in my head and, and see if the picture I have is, is an accurate one. So speakeasy AI essentially is a layer. I mean, would you call it middleware? Is that what you would describe yeah, it as? Yeah, it may be conversational middleware almost. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so, so essentially it sits kind of in between all of these various platforms that a company might have. Mm-hmm. So whether it's your IVR or your chatbot or your website, whatever, where, wherever you're having interactions with customers, you can pull all of that data through Speakeasy, extract the intents behind everything, yep. show... Um, the brand and your client what's happening in terms of you know what are people actually trying to accomplish in these various different channels and what's working for you what's not in real time okay and then you also use things like um i can't remember the company that you mentioned but you use like voice detection so you can understand if the voice Voice biometrics voice biometrics okay so you'll know Mm -hmm. that my voice sounds like this and you know it's me next time because you've already stored that somewhere okay Mm -hmm. that sounds so how do you how do you then deal with because one of the things that um we quite often get on on the podcast is people describe the limitations of some of these things that are branded as ai and we'll probably chat in in a little bit about why your thoughts are that there's a lot of bullshit going on but (laughs) (laughs) um so so let's and and the the most familiar example to to bring it back to that most of the listeners listening to this will be able to relate to is either Google or Alexa, so Google mm-hmm. Assistant or Amazon Alexa. So, with let's say let's take Alexa, you would need to define what your intents are 
upfront. Yes. And yeah. then you would need to kind of tell it what you want to do whenever you hear that intent. So that's kind of yeah. some of the criticism it gets is because it's it's almost like a request and response thing as opposed to a conversational interface as such. With Speakeasy AI, how can you understand what an intent actually is? Do you, in some way, shape or form, need to define for the client what all of those intents are up front in some way, shape or form? And if not, how, yeah. how do you actually understand what an intent is? Yeah, so no, that's really good. So there does need to be some pre-deployment work insofar as intents outside the realm of what our engine might already know. So so let's start with what do we already know? You know, out of the box because of our experience in the chatbot world, and it's similar to any AI company that's building, you know, Google's building on top of this stack of data that really starts with search. You know what I mean? And then and then branches off from there and now they have Allo and things like that. And Amazon starting, you know, where they had their people who buy this also buy that was the beginning of them building a stack of information that became understanding of, of customers. Uh, for us, our engine starts with this core sort of natural language processing, natural language understanding of intents that we, we build it for this purpose. And then what's different is it's almost like our AI is trying to say, let's have a huddle, you know, almost like a football huddle. Let, let's bring in everyone to the party. And we're, th- we're lightweight enough and we're agile enough to bring everyone into that huddle and say, we're not going to do it alone. So if you want to reduce the upfront work, how many of those people can we bring to the huddle? And more importantly, the thing that we saw customers really hurting themselves when you talk about the AI bullshit is the improvement cycle. How do you improve without it being based off customers failing in the system? and actually getting things wrong. And how, when you identify an improvement, how do you get that updated in two clicks? Especially when it comes to that IVR world, which IVR world has a development cycle of you know, two weeks on the short end, six months on the long end. Hey, we wanted to change an IVR prompt. Well, your company got bought in the meantime while you were waiting, and you don't even have the same logo anymore. Um, but so for us, you know, back to, so, so we have a certain level of intent understanding that's you know, I'll call it black box for a little. That, yeah. that is the algorithm. The yeah, algorithm yeah, yeah. is the ability to understand, but it's maybe out of the box we're able to understand. And it's funny, Moshe would probably smack me with whatever percentage I'm going to give. But let's say it's forty percent. Let's mm-hmm. say forty percent of intents on your business we understand, agnostic of any other information. Let's say if you're a specific vertical that we have more experience in, let's say it's hotel. Maybe we understand sixty percent of your intents. Now we're going to listen for a month to see what we couldn't understand without even doing anything. And while we're listening, do you have some other AI investments you want to bring to the party? Oh, you do? You have a chatbot? Let's bring that in. And we talk about that huddle. Now, suddenly, when we went live, we're 80% and we get to the end of a listening pilot and we're tuning for 10%. And is that... So f- sorry, yeah. sorry, go on. No, so, so for us, that's that's where... So we're trying to say, how many intents can we possibly understand? Now, we're not in... And then as far as the answers, they can live in any third-party system where you kind of want to bring them to the table. Because again, we're going to try to bring them into voice channel. So maybe it's that digital chatbot. You know, we have a lot of customers tell us, we have a digital chatbot that's doing 5 million conversations a year, but they're all like typing like live chat. Can you bring some of those into the IVR? And that's, you know, at a very core level, that's something that, that's our wheelhouse. That's what we can do easily. Yeah, sure. Let's have that work in your IVR next month. So two two follow-ups to that then. Mm-hmm. Um We'll chat about how that works in terms of it, not not necessarily technically, but how it, in practice uh-huh. would it all kind of would it kind of come together. But <clears throat> what I kind of wanted to just clarify first is that when you were saying that you have, um, you'll have a, a set a set load of intents that you will mm-hmm. match. So let's let's use your hotel example. You've got sixty percent mm-hmm. matching on the intents for your hotel clients' IVR. Yep. Say. Yep. They also have a chatbot. And yep. they want to integrate that chatbot. Let's say it's a, it's a Facebook Messenger thing that that lets sure. you try Perfect. and uh, ask about yep. availability or whatever. Does that chatbot then have to send over to Speakeasy AI what it classes as its intents for you to understand that? Is that how it works? No. So if it's a chatbot that we've already integrated with, like Creative Virtual. We're just going to plug into their content management system, so that's easy peasy. There's nothing even to do. It's just an API, mm-hmm. and and it works. If it's let's say it's an unknown, you know, there's 
something like 300,000 chatbots in Facebook. So <laughs> let's say it's a chatbot we've never heard of. Just give us the corpus. Export the corpus. We'll toss it into our system. And with a click of a button, it'll batch. Our system is good at taking that batch text and then going, how does this fit with all of our intents that we're matching against? Mm. And then, boom, we're ready to rock and roll. And what what is a corpus for those people who aren't involved in the sort of machine ah, learning it's, AI? Sort it's of Watson's fault. It's Watson's <laughs> fault. <laughs> you know, here, I'm going to be really Philly. A corpus is an Excel spreadsheet of stuff that you that makes your bot smart. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's, real, it's really, a corpus is the knowledge that, that you know, that the bot has. Okay. You know, it's it, it could be a variety of different things. You know, it could be Q&A pairs, you know, traditional Q, you know, questions and answers. It could be uh, a bunch of conversation flows or old school decision trees, depending on the type of chatbot that you have. Um, so it's some combination of all the stuff that sits behind the veneer of what a chatbot is that lets it interact. You know, Watson would tell you it's a, would say it, and yeah, I wonder what their definition is. They, they, I feel like they were the ones that really pushed that word, but I'm sure it's much more fancy than I just yeah. described it. Um, and then just the 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 second follow up that I had then was um, you mentioned that they let's say in, in that example again, you've got a chatbot which is handling like five million, um, you know, chats a, a year or whatever, and then they want to kind of push that into the IVR. Is that what what would you do? Would Speakeasy kind of take all of that text somehow, turn it into you know text to speech, and then push that through the IVR? Is that how that would sort of work? In a way, so what we would probably do first is start with that listening pilot again. So we would probably listen first and say, what's going on in your IVR right now? What are the best use cases to bring to the table? Uh, we talk about that not learning on the backs of the customers. So then we're able to identify and marry that against the chatbot use cases and say, okay, in a pilot, because our pilot doesn't actually, you know try to serve the customers. It just tries to create the sort of path forward, you know, the analysis and that analytics into what's actually going on. So you're able to get vision into it and say, yeah, you know what? These 10 use cases clearly from chatbot could work in IVR. Now let's get it there. So then it's just integrating that chatbot system to our voice middleware, and then we're able to work in the IVR. Because what happens is we're essentially speaking chatbot, for lack of a better term. We're, we're sitting between the IVR and the, and the chatbot translating. Um, and why that's really important that we've uncovered is that, especially in that Fortune 500, oftentimes a vendor will come in and say, we want to sweep out your IVR and we want to sweep out your chatbot. And here we are. Here's the, full, here's the full solution. Let's go. And there's also not a lot of transparency into how all those pieces work. And anyone who's worked in the IVR world, um, you probably have some guy making 75, 80 grand a year or some gal, and they've trained on that IVR system for like three years, and you still haven't you know, captured the ROI of why you even did that initial investment. And you might like it a little bit. It might work. Um, so, no, I'm not sweeping that out. And politically, it's just really difficult to kick out an IVR. And just tech- technologically, it's a pain in the ass. It's just torture. So I'm going to leave that there. I just want it to work better. Okay, well, we're going to sweep out your chatbot. Well, it's going pretty well there too, and I like that vendor, and it's good. We're a Fortune 500 company. We want best of breed everywhere. How do you make these things work? Um, and that ability to speak chatbot, if you will, or hear IVR, um, to sit in that middle and actually show you in real time, here's what's going on, and let you change things as quickly as they happen. You know, we often, you know, wow, I I can't make changes in IVR that quickly right now. Um, so we have a voice synthesizer built in. Uh, we have the ability to pick the voice that you want, uh, much like like Google. So you know you can you can pick this British male voice or this female voice. Um, if you want to record your voice talent and then give that to us, we can inject that into the system. Um, but yeah, that that that's that's really that bringing those two things together has been. You know, not everyone is going to do it in our way. We realize that. You know, we're we're a specific use case that we feel like we've we've been sitting on the side where we we knew why this was needed. You know, we we were sitting with buyers trying to figure out how to get these things to work, and we say, you know, what's missing? What's missing is something like what we call speech to intent. And what's funny is Amazon now is starting to to call their new kit speech to intent. Uh, when I went to speech text last week, and they're trying to take a similar approach to what we're doing. So that's that's promising to us. That was we're happy. We're I'm happy to take, 
you know, 0.01% of Amazon's revenue. If, if Jeff is cool with it, I'm cool <laughs> with it. Um, but, but when I went to speech tech a couple weeks ago in DC, which is where all the AI speech and IVR luminaries go, and I just go and sit and go, gosh, I'm not as smart as all these people. Um, but when they were there, Amazon, it, it was incredible how much of their messaging sounded like ours for the future, not what they're doing now, what they're going to be doing. And then Google was much different. Google was their messaging was around, okay, we're still going to do speech to text because transcription has been amazing. And it has, has performed great. And what we're going to do is we're going to template things. To us, there's a speech to text for commands. There's a speech to text for IoT. There's a speech to text for this type of engagement. And these type of modules will dictate which type of AI we use. Different, you know, interesting. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong because it's Google. Um, I liked Amazon's message better. We'll see how they execute. But both of them weren't doing what we can do, which is, but what if I don't want to get rid of my IVR, ultimately? You know, buyers have simple, serious needs like that many times. You know, this pragmatic, I can't, I'm not, I don't want to get rid of this. This works. And also, an IVR that can handle, I don't know, 50 million phone calls a year, there's only so many people who can handle that kind of volume. Amazon's not an IVR player. You know, Google's not an IVR player, really, at that level. So there's some tried and true players that I want to be able to use this box because of pure scale. And then from a chatbot perspective, I really like what I'm getting out of this system. You know, there's some nice chatbot deployments out there in the world. I think I've had a hand in some of them, but there's some from other vendors that have nothing to do with, with my previous company and our team um, that are producing real-world wins. So that middle layer um, is where we live right now. And so far, it's been good. So knock on wood, um, but but that's that's where we're, we're going to be. But it's interesting whenever you're in that middle layer, and you do. I think it comes across quickly to buyers that we are tr- authentically nimble and agile and able to plug and play with different things. It's funny how everyone wants you to do other things too. You know, well, you know what? I want to sweep out my call recording. Can you just give me all that real time analytics? And I just have a stack of all these, all this information, and I don't have to worry about GDPR and you know. P, whatever CNPIN and whatever <laughs> acronym means protect my customer data, and you can be that. Um, we're, could we use our technology for that? Potentially, um, but that's not where we are right now. Right now, it's that these chatbots have been, it, it's been a little secret They've, that the ones out there in the Fortune 500 have been doing pretty, pretty darn well the last few years, and IVR is a laggard. IVR is, you know, we're, we're trying to apply air freshener to a pretty serious turd. Uh, it's, <laughs> it hasn't been doing well. Um, and if you can make that process, that freshening painless for the buyer and make it, you know, if you hit our website, it says, let's build voice experiences. Customers will use and love, uh, we should probably underline use, you know, are they actually going to use it? Or are they going to call you and just yell agent 20 times when they call in? Cause you don't need any natural language understanding to, to know what that's about. Um, so, um, yeah. so the, You've mentioned about the the analytics side of things um, a few times and pulling in data from all of these different places. Presumably, the whole all the data that you pull in, a lot of it will be unstructured. A lot of it will come in in different formats. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, if if I'm a client, I'm going through this pilot. Um, I've got an IVR system. I've got a chatbot. You mentioned that you can plug in stuff like. Um, did you mention you can plug in Alexa and something like that as well? Um, well, you can plug in your chatbot system, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so, so we've got that. I log in. How is that going to look? How am I going to be able to understand all of that information? How do you, not not on the technology yeah. side? How how are you yeah. going to be able to present that in a way that I can just make a decision on? Yeah. So, so we'll have a real time dashboard first when you first log in. That it'll just be ranking based on time or based on categories. Um, what's happening right now? what your customers are actually saying. So you might see, you know, a certain percentage is asking about balance inquiry, a certain percentage is asking about a technical outage, a certain, you know, number of people are asking about your mobile app. And then everything's going to be actionable and you can sort of slice and dice by time and then you can drill down and say, okay, what are the top intents about mobile app and what are the top 50 things that they're asking in their own words? Um, you can pull a particular call out of the log. So you say, okay, here's a call about mobile app, and it wound up in an agent escalation. Uh, why did it do that? So can I see the journey flow on that customer? And can I actually listen to the recording? So we're going, we have the capability to have the recording there. So you start at the intent, can actually hear the utterance. Or maybe you notice that 
50 people came in and said Beyonce said, I want Beyonce tickets and you're a credit card. And you're like, why, why is everyone coming in and asking about Beyonce tickets in chase? And when you go and you look at the intent level, you realize, oh, our marketing team had released one of those chase platinum promotions where Beyonce tickets were early, you know, two days before they went on sale to the general public. We should have had some content for that. Toss some content in the IVR right now. That's the world we, we want to live in because we can enable that. Okay, write the content, put it in, have it work with 20 different ways of saying the same question about Beyonce, and now it's working within five minutes instead of two weeks. Um, that's what we're trying to enable. So, so the dashboard is mostly you know, real-time insights into what people are asking um, and what outliers in a bad way are popping up, you know, fallouts or things that we didn't understand, and what from a customer journey standpoint is happening. And then as far as historical reporting, we just want to be able to pull any call or any particular intent that you want to get a deeper dive on. And then our customer journey tool, which we're releasing next week, it's funny, uh, Moshe is really into this. I'm, I'm curious to see the next update that he's doing on our next product call. He's almost talking about it like a tree sprouting uh, from a customer journey flow as opposed to a left to right thing. He's like, because it's it's much more of a of an organism with branches that can do a lot of things. Um, so it's how many of those data points, as you mentioned, that we're pulling in from the customer journey. Hey, this customer, after they called about Beyonce, we fired off an SMS because we wanted to make sure that they were actually the cardholder. Um, they responded to the SMS, which gave them a link, and then they wound up on the website and logged in. I mean, this is the weird sort of customer journey that we live in sometimes, where we channel switch because they made us, um, and it works out anyway. Uh, we want to capture all that. So you get all of these insights during a listening pilot, but the core of the listening pilot, um, because we're not going to plug every single thing in the listening pilot, because then we built you a full system. Really, in the listening pilot, we want to prove out, look at how well we understand intent and look at how much opportunity you've been leaving on the table in voice, especially IVR, that we can come help you realize. Um, and look at how cool this engine performs in real time because everyone says real time. Um, and especially in intent, you know, voice to intent in IVR, most people aren't doing real time analytics like that. I think it's it's sort of... As we've kind of been speaking, it, it's it's all kind of started kind of coming together, and and I can sort of see because I remember when we, when we very very first talk and you and, and we kind of chatted a few weeks back now, wasn't it? And you were kind of you, the way you described it, and you've mentioned it again here, is a thin layer of intent, a thin layer of value rather, mm-hmm. um, which I can see why you would position it in in that way. But ultimately, mm-hmm. from the way you've been describing it, and from how I can understand it, the potential of that is actually yeah. pretty pretty huge isn't it yeah ivr yeah. systems it, as you mentioned are global yeah. things and i've never i don't think ever <laughs> used yeah. one that i could come away from and say do you know what that was absolutely spot on that so i think the potential that you have uh, yeah. is absolutely massive yeah we, we don't want to be too grandiose but i yeah. I, I would say this you know we think we can be, and we hope we will be, the authority of intent. I mean, the true authority of intent in, in the enterprise. And I think if we if we win that battle, I think it, you know the conversation will come. You know, the answers, the appropriate answers will come. You know, um, but really, your customers shouldn't have to play Jeopardy. You know, where you have the answers and they have to guess how to ask. You know, um, in the form of a question. And so that's we're trying to change the game with this thin layer of value because we're saying, yeah, the content's there and, yeah, there's some AI systems, but you're still trying to get your customers to play that Jeopardy game where they have to ask the way you think they should ask or the way that you want them to ask. And that's why we, we start with listening. You know, we, we're not looking to learn on the backs of customers. We start with listening to them and trying to show you the performance of true intent capture and, hey, if if that first month, you know, we're humble enough to know if let's say it's a new industry or something we haven't played with before. And if we come out in the, in the low end, let's say we come out only 40 percentile understanding, um, it's still not terrible depending on what we've learned. And we still might find, you know, if, if you, 
you know, we, we, we looked at some listening pilot data where we thought we could do a 13% improvement on IVR performance. 13% doesn't sound, you know, if you're outside of this space, you're like 13%. Oh, what's that? You know, um, on 50 million calls, 13% is kind of a ridiculous level of improvement. Some people might get promoted three rungs for signing up for something that gets them 13% of improvement and get a vacation house in the Hamptons. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll never be on that side of the table, but, uh, you know, we're trying to get these incremental real wins. Um, and to your point, we're starting with this thin layer of value, but we feel like what we're building for the enterprise is something that's going to be the, the, the sort of central authority on intent and it's something that's pliable. And that is technology and systems change and investments and priorities change. Well, we still know we have this really flexible AI core from a voice listening perspective that's going to help us you know, because I, I don't know what's coming out two years from now. I know what we, what we think is on our roadmap, but hopefully our roadmap is influenced by buyers, too, and changing conditions. So you have to stay nimble. You know, the, the, the only thing that's going to, you know, this AI world's changing every other week. It is a rapidly changing landscape uh, with increasingly uh, increasing amount of kind of players in there before we wrap mm-hmm. up then let's let's kind of address the point that you, that you brought up at the top of the at the top of the show which was that there is so much bullshit going on in, <laughs> in AI. you kind of touched on it here and there throughout so what what do you mean what give us what, how, how do you mean there's so much bullshit and what, what's kind of frustrating you about the way that various ai companies might be uh, might be pitching themselves i'm not going to bad mouth anybody it doesn't have to be. You know, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not okay. asking for that. I just mean what. What yeah. are the yeah. challenges? You know, looking at this from a consumer perspective. Yeah. Um, what What are some of the kind of challenges that the AI companies are facing? Then let's phrase it that way, because they have a great deal of capability compared to you know what mm-hmm. was in existence ten years ago. Say. Um, yeah. Totally. It's 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 a good idea to get customers involved. Uh, early, because the earlier you can get feedback in in a real world environment, the quicker you can improve the technology, and so on and so forth. Completely. Far. So what what? Yeah. Let's phrase it that way. What are some of the challenges that AI companies are facing? I think I think the challenge is that, and I would like to be a part of this movement, is we don't collaborate enough in this space. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much an arms race, and it's very much an arms race that's driven by marketing dollars and revenue dollars and any sort of AI types of business leader councils that I have sort of participated in, but they're loosely, there's not like, you know, a big one that I'm on. Um, you know, people don't want to put their full cards on the table and in the same way, they don't put the full cards on the table with the buyer. I mean, we've, we've had, I've had to, in my old chatbot days, walk in after meetings where, you know, I was told, well, we throw the, we threw those guys out practically because they told us, we're going to reduce our contact center volume by 80%. I mean, if you've reduced, if you, I'm just going to pull out a name. This isn't the company, but let's say Verizon, you know, what a huge company. If you reduced their contact center volume by 80% next year, hmm. it would affect the global economy in negative ways. <laughs> you know? It's that many, it's so ridiculous. Um, and I'm not sure if we even want to do that. I mean, do we want to make it easier for consumers so that their brand works better and consumers are happier? Yes, but this isn't BS. You can't collapse the global economy in AI. <laughs> and in the same way, with those promises, AI is not ready to collapse the global economy. You know, with mm. this podcast is not going to be going on next year. Came with three bot versions of us. Mm. You know, that have yeah. our. It's just just not where we're headed yet. You know, I mean, maybe down the line. Mm. Um, but. So, so the noise, so the challenge for AI companies is, how do we pragmatically say this is how AI can enhance consumers' lives, this is how AI can enhance the enterprise, which is where where I live in you know in B two B world, and this is how you can actually touch and feel AI without being a Python scripter mm. or without being a coder. That this is how you can actually have this tool help you in your job and help you help others. Mm. Um, it's, it's maybe Pollyanna, but the noise that's out there, it gets in the way, Mm. you know, um, you know, from a consumer standpoint, if I take myself out of this industry, you know, when do I hear about AI? Uh, You know, let's go back to hip hop again. Mm. Common, you know who Common is, you know, Common's doing Microsoft commercials spitting about (laughs) AI. What what does that have to do with like, really? Like, I I don't, I don't understand, you know, what, what is this? 
does this mean now I don't have to mail my voucher to American Airlines? Because I'm still putting a stamp on it. You know, it's, <laughs> I might as well send a carrier pigeon. Yeah. Um, so there's just a big delta between the message and the narrative, which is befuddled and confusing and normal and way too convoluted sometimes. Mm. And, you know, the limitations or the gaps that still exist. And mm. somewhere in the middle, there's some cool AI things happening, mm. which you're Thank goodness for things like your podcast where you focus on those types of wins in the voice world. There's stuff going on that actually is delivering wins, but there's, there's so much noise. So, so AI companies need to kind of collaborate with each other and say, you know, let's, let's be real. You know, we've all committed some sins here in conflicted messaging Mm. that might make it harder for people to adopt and use our stuff. Yeah. And the more adopters and users we have, as you said, Kate, the better the stuff gets. Mm. So what are we doing right now? Mm. You know, yeah. where are we really headed? Yeah, that's a good, good way of, uh, good way of putting it, and a good way of summarising it there. Yeah, cheers for that, uh, Dustin. Have you got anything um, that you were looking to ask um, before we wrap up? No, no, I think I think we covered all of it. I just have one, perhaps, uh, out there question for you, Frank. When do sure. you, when do you see uh, Speakeasy speaking with Google Duplex? How, <laughs> how far in the future is that going to happen? <laughs> you know, it's funny. That was another one. So um, when their CEO did that presentation, he said, you know, the biggest issue that we're trying to solve for is that most people still do stuff on the phone. And I went, oh, here we go. This is going to be sweet. Maybe they stole some of the stuff. Where This is going to be awesome. This is going to be so validating. And I was so surprised that the AI was doing the phone call for me. Because it's kind of like the Solo movie. I'm going to go see it Friday, but I never asked for it. I didn't need Han Solo's backstory. <laughs> I don't need I don't need the AI to make the call for me. I want to not have to make the call. Mm. Right? Or I want if I make the call, because when I pick up that phone, when I pick this up, I really do want to call you mm. for whatever reason. It could be a problem, but now I, want, I need to sp- speak to you in voice. And that's, that's the world we live in. That's mm. a moment of truth. So – Fix that. I want Google Duplex to fix that. I, I would have much rather heard Google Duplex being the receptionist who took mm. the call for the hairdressing appointment. And then I gave her my appointment when it was and walked away feeling good than make the call for me. Mm. Because also to make the call for me, I guess I'm typing that in somewhere. So I guess, or I just told Allo, like, like think about we're creating a bot that's going to speak to you. Like eventually it's going to be a bot speaking to a bot. What, mm. what did we just do? We just went in a big circle. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we, we recreated modems. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hooray. AI made modems again. That's a great call. You should write about that. That's really funny. But, but, so that's the way I feel when I, when I heard that. I, I was incredibly deflated. <laughs> Everyone else was like, look how cool it sounds because it's like a move. Like, it's like Hal in Odyssey or, you know, it's like hearing C-3PO's voice. It sounds cool because, wow, that really sounded like a human. But when you distill it to what just happened, you go, huh? <laughs> I, I, I just don't think there was a big clamor for me to do that, you know. And by the way, I kind of like my barber. It's kind of a personalized thing. I might want to call and be like, hey, how are the kids? Like it's one of the few people, depending on who it is, it was just a, a very interesting example for me. And I really – I would have been in a different place if – you know, it's a three-person barber shop, and they're swamped. And Duplex answered the phone for them, and knew their whole calendar, which bots mm. can do now anyway. Mm. Um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been that impressed. I think you can do that now anyway. But <laughs> you know what I mean? That to me is more where we're, we want. Uh, if I'm if I'm calling you, yeah, yeah, the modem. I like that. That was a good line. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good call. Good. Cool. Well, th- thank you so much, Frank, for joining us. That was uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was good. That that was a good discussion. We got really into detail of Speakeasy. We had a bit of a discussion about other things in and around AI. So yeah, that was that was fantastic. Thanks so much. For I hope so, us. man. It was great talking to you both. I hope we talk again and stay in touch. Um, so yeah, so I, I hope I lived up to the billing. But that. Shoot, I got to figure out if I can take that rap and somehow make it an audio file on like LinkedIn. So when you come to my LinkedIn page or you come, you, come try, you don't even see me or anything, just get that audio file of Kane, just with his smooth tones. I'll be like, man, this, this is where it's at. Well, hopefully by the time the actual podcast comes out, I'm going to try because I wasn't quite on beat there. So I'm, I'm going to have to mess around with it a little bit, try and get the audio behind the scenes and the music going. I got you. Yeah, that would be class. Cool.
That was the Fresh Prince of AI, Frank Schneider. Thank you so much, Frank, for joining us. Speakeasy AI looks like an immense platform. Uh, we got really into detail there of what it does, how it works, how it all hangs together. Uh, and it does really sound like the opportunity you have there with uh, in the IVR space is, is an absolutely huge one. And the capabilities it's got to pull through conversational interfaces and data from all over, um, you know, all these different channels, uh, put them all into one place sounds, sounds immeasurably valuable. So... Um, Definitely, definitely wish you all the best and uh, looking forward to speaking to you again soon. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dustin, for co-hosting and thank you all for listening. Until next time, see you later. Got em.